the stage is set for a final showdown at Daytona following all the action at Watkins Glen. So the question is, who is going to be bringing past aggressions to Daytona and who is going to shake up the playoffs for the very last time? It's chaos and after all, it is Daytona. episode of Above Feel Aligned is presented to you by Haymaker Coffee. If you work hard, run hard, fight hard, and play hard, Haymaker Coffee has the coffee for you. Use the promo RACE25 to receive 25% off your next order of Haymaker Coffee. Hey race fans, it's Taylor, and welcome back to Above Feel Aligned, the show where we talk all about the NASCAR Cup Series. We're going to hop right into our results from the Go Bowling at the Glen. Let's start off with your winner. He only led five laps of the race and was your winner of the 2021 Watkins Glen race, capturing his second win of the season. It is Kyle Larson taking home the victory after some controversy. We'll talk about it himself versus teammate Chase Elliott. So on the final restart, it was Larson versus Elliott. It was who was going to win. Elliott had the stronger car all day. Larson, not so much, but he had a chance to win. On that final restart, Larson ended up locking his tires, ended up running himself wide, ended up running Elliott wide, kind of off the track, and he got position, was able to win the race. Now the question is, was Larson's move fair or foul? In my opinion, because he locked up the tires, I feel like it was a fair move. I don't think that was intentional. Obviously, there were some tempers after the race. Chase Elliott didn't even remember where he was going the next week. He kept saying that he was excited to go to Bristol and kind of take things back into his hands there. Obviously, we're not going to Bristol next week. We're going to Daytona, or I guess I should say this week. Regardless, they were like, yeah, we're going to talk about this during the competition meeting on Monday, but clearly Larson wasn't happy about the move. He said this is not the way he wants to win. Elliot clearly wasn't happy, even though he was avoiding all questions about the incident during the post-race. Because Larson locked up his tires, I think this was a fair move. I think it was just racing really hard. I understand that there are really passionate fans in the Larson camp and in the Elliott camp, and everyone is gonna say that was unjust, Fontana happened, got Elliott out of a win. I understand all that, but in my opinion, this was just one of those really bad racing incidences, and I don't know if this aggression is gonna carry over into another race in the playoffs. I would assume so. I think Elliott feels like he's been burned way too much by his teammate this season. I mean, he's raced him really rough, let's be honest. Larson has raced Elliott pretty, pretty rough, and even last year, too. I mean, obviously, Larson won the championship, but if you look back at the receipts, they are not the, the kindest teammates, I would say. I mean, you want to race as hard as you can for every single win, but this is one of those accidents that I think Elliot's going to look back on and be like, yeah, if it comes down to me or you between a championship, I'm doing whatever I can to get that trophy. So it was a fair move, in my opinion, on the edge of foul, but um, I think it was just a racing accident. Now let's get to the rest of your top 10 in second place with a strictly stat is AJ Allmendinger. Now, if you remember the Xfinity race, Kyle Larson actually won the Xfinity race and in second place was AJ Allmendinger. This makes a really interesting stat with their one, two finish. They are the second pair to do so with an Xfinity series and cup series weekend, all in one weekend, getting that one, two finish. The first pair to do that, getting that one, two finish in Xfinity and in cup mirroring each other for the weekend was in 2014 at Loudoun with Brad Keselowski and Kyle Busch. A pretty cool Swiggly stat. Make sure you follow him on Twitter to catch more stats from us here at tobychristie.com. In third place, we have Joey Logano. I always underestimate him at road courses. Fourth place, we had Chase Elliott. We talked about that. Fifth place, we had Daniel Suarez. Sixth, McDowell continuing a nice top 10 streak this season. Seventh, Reddick. Eighth, it's Christopher Bell. He was the best Toyota of the day. Kyle Busch, 
was the best Toyota of the day, and then later in the race he ended up spinning out, wasn't able to get that position back, unfortunately. But it was a it was a decent showing for Toyota, all things considered. Their road course package this year has not been great. So at least good to see some of them doing pretty well on Sunday. Ninth is Christopher Busher, and yes, I know I said Christopher Busher, and 10 Eric Jones. Very impressive stats from Busher and Jones this season. I feel like they're gonna have a pretty decent showing at Daytona as well if things stay calm. Now let's talk about two drivers outside the top 10 that impressed me all day. I had my eyes glued in on their numbers during the race on Sunday. Gotta mention Ty Dillon, who raced within the top 10, like top 15 all day long, even in the top 5 for some other race. He ended up finishing this race in the 16th position, but otherwise a really good day. Then I know you're going to say 31st place. Why are we focusing on the 31st place car? Well, that was Joey Hand. He ran an impressive race pretty much in the top five most of the day, which I know for a Rick Ware car, we're all like, wow, that's impressive. It, it was very impressive, especially just knowing Joey Hand stepping into a cup car really, really good at the road courses. Unfortunately, late in the race, he ended up spinning, kind of got him out of that top five, top 10 area where he could have finished. I feel like he could have finished in the top 10, all things considered. But besides that little spin, definitely one of the most impressive drives during the day. So a really good day for Joey Hand, unfortunately, didn't finish where he needed to, but still awesome for that 15 team. Now let's talk about the guys that did not finish this race. Impressive run from Kimi Raikkonen, who was making his Cup Series debut this weekend. Unfortunately, on lap 46, he ended up spinning out. I think Chastain got loose a little bit, then it ended up getting into Austin Dillon. Everyone went kind of wide, and then unfortunately, Raikkonen was caught in that incident, went into the safer barrier, and his day was done. A very impressive ride for him, though. I really want to see him back in the Cup Series and see if he can finish a race. I know, obviously, that was none of his doing, that kind of incident. I think it was just a racing incident where everyone's trying to make the turn. Just didn't go well, but I really want to see him back. I hope the Project 91 car has space for him next season, as I think they're trying to run all the road course races next year. So here's to hoping, but overall a very impressive drive from Kimi Raikkonen. Finally, I gotta talk about Todd Gilliland. I know he didn't finish this race, but he was racing within like the top 10 all day long. I'm saying that about a lot of these guys, but he was really consistent. Front Row Motorsports as a whole was very consistent this weekend. They have a really good road course program. Todd Gilliland actually was leading at one point, and then unfortunately when they had that battle for the lead, he broke an axle. I think he might have just abused the mechanic system of the car as he was going over the curves pretty rough. So I think that's maybe just like, I don't want to say a rookie mistake, but something that he can learn to take with him to the next road course we go to. So unfortunate end for Gilliland, but really good. Something to keep in mind as he moves forward with really good momentum. So those are your results. Now let's look at the points, starting with the above the yellow line points. I gotta say, Brandon Lowe really brought the heat this weekend, choosing Kyle Larson as his winner. Not only does he gain four points for having the best finish amongst the rest of us, but he gets an extra point added to his score because he picked the winner. So he made a really big comeback now. He has 60 points. In second place in points, we have Dom with 62 points. He chose Kyle Busch this weekend, the worst of the rest of us. AJ Allmendinger was my pick. He was the second best of the rest of us this weekend. I now have 65 points. Then with 69 points, leading the charge is Adam with a pick of Chase Elliott. He was so close to winning this weekend, but we all know what happened. Unfortunately, it was just hard racing. Now let's look at the playoff grid before we go into Daytona. Now, obviously with Kyle Larson winning his second race of the season, this doesn't shake anything up drastically. There is still one spot left to get into the playoffs, whether it's by points for Ryan Blaney or whether it's by winning the race. I think statistically, mathematically, check me if I'm wrong, but I think Martin Truex Jr., if Blaney does 
horribly bad during Daytona. He has a way to race his way in on points. But taking a look at what we have now, Chase Elliott has clinched the regular season title. So congrats to him and that number nine team. A very well-deserved consistent season for him. Then Kyle Larson, who was eighth in the standings last week, jumps up to fourth. And like I said, Ryan Blaney, he manages to stay in playoff contention. He is plus 25 to the good. Last week, he was plus 26 to the good. And below the cutoff line is still Martin Truex Jr., minus 25 to the good. And everyone else below him is over negative 200 points outside of playoff contention. So they must win. And when you look at the list, the last driver that is able to win their way into the playoffs, because remember, you have to be 30th in points or higher to get your way into the playoffs. So that last guy is going to be Todd Gilliland. Everyone else behind there, they've had a decent season, I guess. I don't know if I can say if you're 30th or behind in points, you've had a decent season. But unfortunately, they will not be able to race their way into the playoffs. I hate this personally for Corey LaJoy, who had a chance to win at Atlanta. I think that would have gotten him in that contention. But even though if they throw a Hail Mary at Daytona, I do not believe it is possible for them to get into the playoffs regardless of a win. So that's unfortunate for them. But the last driver, like I said, who was able to win to get in will be Todd Gilliland in the points standings. Now it's time to take a look at our Xyloware MVP award of the week. We got to start off with our negatives, of course, with our LVP. And for me, not necessarily that this driver finished bad during the race. They finished in the top 10, but because of the mistakes and also because they've won two of the road courses this season and just kind of Missed it this race with a spin and with a penalty, missing one of the bus stops or the chicanes. I gotta give this to Tyler Reddick as this week's LVP. Just didn't see the performance I thought we were going to see from him. Uh, granted, we saw it at the beginning of this race, but it was for me, it was hard this week to choose an LVP. But because I think I expected more from him, especially with my fantasy lineup, I gotta give Tyler Reddick the L this weekend, unfortunately. Now for this week's Xyloware MVP, I gotta give it to Michael McDowell. I have a few honorable mentions in Joey Han and Kimi Raikkonen with impressive runs, but McDowell was super strong all day long. I think he couldn't finish in the top five. Unfortunately, that last restart really jumbled things up just a little bit, but I, I think he was the class of the field leading a lot of the race in the first stage. Second stage, he did really well. Third stage, that's where things kind of slipped a little bit, but Michael McDowell at 34 team, really impressive runs this season. Obviously, they're really good at super speedways. They're really good at road courses. Just getting better at those mile and a half is where that team needs to go. But obviously, they have been able to match or even, I guess, top their stats this season with the most top 10s and most top 5s in Michael McDowell's career. So congrats to the number 34 team. You are this week's Xyloware MVP. All right, let's close out this recap with our race rating above or below the yellow line. You all know how this works. If we're at a 50%, that means we're on the line. That's like, that's not really where we want to be, but we definitely don't want to have a rating below 50%. That's below the yellow line. That means this race was horrible. Above that line is what we want. So this week, according to a Twitter poll, here's what you all had to say. 34% of you said this was a great race. 38% said this was good. 25% said okay. And 3% of you said this was a bad race. Daniel said, was good overall, really good early with battles between McDowell and Elliott, then with McDowell, Briscoe, and Busher late in stage one. Got a little boring in the middle of the race, but the two late cautions finished it off on a good note. Next up, James said, Watkins Glen is a fast-paced road course which team strategy comes into play. I think if the track would have stayed wet longer, it would have been a great race throughout, and McDowell and Busher could have won. HMS has the power on road courses. Next up is the ATYL crew comments. Adam Lucas said, quote, A long, interesting day at the Glen came to a controversial finish between two teammates. Was Larson at fault? Absolutely. Was he going hard for a win? Definitely. I was upset that Elliott was taken out of contention for the win, especially since he was my race pick, but understand that wins help more than points in the Cup Series. 
Ergo, a validation of why Larson went full send on the final restart. Also, it was extremely joyful for me personally to see Kimi Raikkonen finally race in the Cup Series. The child in me was screaming and smiling ear to ear for all of his time on track. Project 91 was a success, even with the DNF, for exposure and interest, and is already drawing more current and former drivers from many different disciplines around the world in wanting to do a race. Pitbull and Justin Marks have opened a Pandora's box that is helping NASCAR reach a larger international audience. And that in itself is epic. As for the race itself, it was a solid Watkins Glen event. A little rain and strategic formula to stretch the fuel led to a good showing. I give this race a 72 out of 100, making it above the yellow line. Finally, Dom Joseph said, as easy as it is to put all the blame on defending champion Kyle Larson, the man was pushed so deep into turn one, not even a champion could get out there without contact. Credit to Larson for not only owning up to the situation, but for repeating as the winner at Watkins Glen. This track has proven to be NASCAR's greatest road course, and it produced great racing in the wet, too. I'm gutted that Ferrari's last world champion, Kimi Raikkonen, was a victim of Ross Chastain's aggressiveness. I hope to see him in a race car again soon. It's time to go to NASCAR's birthplace. Daytona never disappoints. I wish this race was a 4th of July weekend. Thank you all for leaving your comments and for rating this race. Here is what I'm going to have as the official rating and my opinion. First off, stages one and two were fantastic for this race. Action-packed, lots of passing, really solid battles for the lead, also in the mid-pack too. The third stage is where it dragged a little bit, which I would say, granted, with the shorter stages being at the beginning of this race, I would say, I mean, it, it adds some chaos and a little bit of hustle for these drivers. So I think that's why maybe, maybe stages one and two were a lot better than stage three, in my opinion. But even then, it was still very exciting racing, in my opinion, the best road course race of the season. I think we finally kind of figured out the package with these Gen 7 cars at the road courses. In my opinion, like I said, very, very solid. I got to give this race a 79%, which is above the yellow line. Alrighty, it is that time to preview the Coke Zero Sugar 400 at Daytona, starting with your track facts and driver stats. The track length for Daytona International Speedway is 2.5 miles, and the race length is 160 laps or 400 miles long. Stage 1 is 35 laps, stage 2 is 60 laps, and the final stage is 65 laps. As for our driver stats, the last driver to win at this track was Austin Cindric, but the last driver to win this race in 2021 was Ryan Blaney. The active driver with the most track wins is Denny Hamlin with three wins at Daytona. The active driver with the best average finish at the track is Austin Cindric with an average finishing position of 8.0, but if we're looking at the drivers with over 10 starts at the track with the best average finish is Bubba Wallace with an average finishing position of 12.5. Next up, the team with the most track wins is a tie between Hendrick Motorsports and Wood Brothers Racing with 15 wins. And finally, the wins by manufacturer. Chevrolet has 48, Ford has 41, and Toyota has 5. All of this from DriverAverages.com. Finally, let's close it out with our two watch to worry for the Daytona race. I think our two worry guys are pretty obvious. It's Ryan Blaney and Martin Truex Jr. as they have the most to lose. Ryan Blaney right now is in playoff contention based on his point standings. But if we have a new winner, the guy that has third in points, which is Ryan Blaney, or sixth in points, which is Truex right now, could miss the playoffs, which is mind-boggling and frustrating. I've, I've mentioned before, I feel like this is a very frustrating time to look at our playoff system and be like, wow, I cannot believe these guys and points are going to be out before the playoffs even begin. So it's going to be interesting. It's going to be exciting watching the Daytona race this weekend. But obviously my guys to worry about because they have the most to lose is Ryan Blaney and Martin Truex Jr. Finally, our guys to watch are the two guys I think could absolutely shake up our playoff standings. I got to give our two watch to Christopher Busher. 
I know what I said, and Michael McDowell, who I think could be our 16th different winners of the season. Obviously, Chris Buescher was able to win one of the duels earlier in the season, and Michael McDowell was your 2021 Daytona 500 winner. Obviously, a very different race for the Daytona 500 to the Coke 400, but I still think that they could do really decently well, words, <laughs> at our Daytona race coming up this weekend and shake things up, so I'm definitely going to be watching those two cars. I also am going to be watching Brad Keselowski. I think Eric Jones is a good contender this weekend, but honestly, when you have a Hail Mary track like this right before the playoffs, everybody is going to be somebody to watch. It's going to be chaotic, and I'm sure there are going to be wrecks. Hopefully, these drivers are smart and they stay safe this weekend, but I think we're going to be in for a treat or a chaotic mess coming up at Daytona, but we will have to see who is able to win this race and maybe win their way into the playoffs this weekend. So who are your to watch to worry for this weekend at Daytona? And do you think that Larson move on Elliott was fair or foul? Let me know in the comments below. And with that, we are done with this episode of Above the Yellow Line, the show where we talk all about the NASCAR Cup Series. In case you missed the announcement, Saturday at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, we are going to be hosting an Above the Yellow Line and TobyChristie.com watch party for the Coke Zero Sugar 400. We are so excited about this. We'll start with a 30-minute pre-race. We'll chat during the race, talk about all the action, what we're seeing, what we're hearing. And then after the race, we'll do a little bit of a post-race show. It's going to be a lot of fun. And if you know, you know, BYOB, you guys. If you didn't watch the live stream, you might not understand it, but I hope, I hope you do. I really hope you do. But make sure to join us for the party. We are so excited to have you join us. It's going to be a great time. Then following the live stream, we'll have our Above the Yellow Line regular episode following all the action at Daytona, and I'll get to break down my preseason predictions for the round of 16 to what we have now. I'm a little anxious. I was, I was pretty off, but we will have to see. And then, of course, when all of us have our live stream the following week on Friday after all the action at Daytona, we'll all talk about our playoff predictions, showing our brackets, and I'll make sure I have brackets to share for you guys on our Twitter page. So to make sure you have a blank above the little line bracket, make sure to check out all of our action on Twitter at underscore TaylorKitchen underscore on Twitter for post-race polls and daily questions. Also make sure to follow above the yellow line on Instagram, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Also make sure to check out TobyChristie.com on all social media platforms to find great motorsports content and TobyChristie.com to hear and read more from the team and your favorite drivers. Last but not least, I want to thank Xyloware and Haymaker Coffee for supporting ATYL and TobyChristie.com. You can find all of our social pages linked in the description below, but before you check that out, make sure to like this video, subscribe to the channel, share this with your friends and family, and guys, thank you so much for supporting us here at Above the Yellow Line and TobyChristie.com, and until next time, we'll see ya.